what happens when you have that experience of like you really enjoy what you're doing it is your brain's way of rewarding you for living up to one of the key survival strategies of human beings which is to learn and develop ourselves because intrinsic motivation happens when we are involved in solving a challenging problem that interests us that's when it happens Finally here, welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am here today to have a conversation about intrinsic motivation. Now, for those of you who are familiar with conversations I've had in the past around topics like motivation, you'll know that I generally actually preach the gospel of discipline over motivation because generally speaking we find it more difficult to keep up with something and discipline keeps us going uh my yesterday actually has spent a couple of decades now researching Mm -hmm. and implementing work around around motivation so maybe i'm going to be changing my spiel after today we'll find out and without further ado let me introduce Stefan. why don't you let the people know who you are and what it is you do sir Oh, thank you, Dan. So, uh, my name is Stefan Falk, um, and uh, I think I have sort of devoted my life to, first of all, understand myself, <laughs> and then understand other people, and uh, through that, help myself as well as people I worked with, whether it's been former colleagues or now when I'm a performance coach as clients, to actually achieve things that they didn't think they were capable of. Mm. And uh, I think that, you know, one, one important uh, part of that is to understand what intrinsic motivation is. Mm. And to answer your question up front, no, I'm not going to defy the importance of discipline. It's, <laughs> it's, it's extremely decisive. And it actually goes hand in hand with intrinsic motivation. Because the problem, uh, I think, for most people is that they actually don't take charge of their lives. Mm. That's one of the problems. Hmm. So let's bring a few definitions in so we can have a bit of foundational construct here. What's the difference? Is there a difference between what someone would understand as everyday motivation and intrinsic motivation? What would the difference be between those two? Well, intrinsic motivation, uh, I don't really know what everyday motivation is. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's like, it's, I, I think it's, we have two types of motivation. It's like extrinsic motivation Uh, where you basically are much more focused on things like, you know, money, fame, or whatever it is you're after. Mm -hmm. And then it's intrinsic motivation, which is, um, that happens, you basically are in love with the experience of a specific activity that you engage in. That is the basic reward. It doesn't mean that you are completely void of extrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. The question is more of the balance you have. But I think, in my experience, it doesn't matter how extrinsically motivated you are, whatever you want to go in life, if you don't find a way to make that journey intrinsically motivated, you're going to stop working toward it. That's why I think intrinsic motivation is so decisive to understand and how to unlock it in yourself. So would I be right in understanding then, um, I'm looking at my chessboard now, right right now. I, I guess chess is one of those things 
you know, you, you learn how to move the pieces, but there's a very different thing from knowing how to move the pieces, from knowing the different types of mates and knowing all the different mm-hmm. strategies and so on around the chest. Mm-hmm. And so um, about 15 years ago, I met a guy who was a category master that really let me know that I don't know anything about chess. And I started to learn mm-hmm. a little bit, but then I kind of fell off. I wasn't really doing anything with it. But about, I don't know, about half a year ago, I decided I really wanted to get serious about mm. learning how to actually play chess. And so I'm, I'm doing this thing of every day. I'm doing puzzles. I'm doing lessons. I've got a coach and I'm doing the different things. But I'm really enjoying the process of learning these different nuances and these different things. And I'm, I'm having fun in the process of becoming a better chess player. Is that mm. kind of what you're talking about? Exactly. It's mm. exactly, and you have done exactly the right things to push <laughs> yourself into an area. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's like my mentor, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, you know, the person that, that, that came up with the flow concept, basically yep. coined that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that few things tend to interest us unless we actually learn something about them. Mm. So that's basically also what, you, what you're doing here. Mm. And um, yeah, so you're doing all the right things. Now, what happens when you have that experience of like you really enjoy what you're doing? It is your brain's way of rewarding you for living up to one of the key survival strategies of human beings, Mm. which is to learn and develop ourselves. Because intrinsic motivation happens when we are involved in solving a challenging problem that interests us. Hmm. That's when it happens. So you're living up to one of the key you know, strategies um, that we have for survival. And that's why, you know, when I work with clients, I, I put a lot of time into explain a little bit about human evolution and how the brain works and all these things to give them sort of a also deeper self-understanding. And if you don't understand that this survival strategy specifically uh, that to learn and develop has been so critical for us and in uh, link to that is also to be valuable to the people around us because we have survived by developing ourselves and in the process also producing things that were val- val- of value of others. Okay, mm-hmm. We have learned that we survived together. So... Uh, that is what you need to understand because then you need to you need to commit to living a life of learning basically and being useful to other people would you say that one of the reasons then why people perhaps don't find themselves motivated to move in a particular direction is because it's just something that they don't find all that interesting they're almost like forcing mm. themselves to do a thing mm. versus moving harmoniously to expand mm. into something that does actually you know turn their lights on anyway mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree with you but uh, if you look at it from a biological standpoint the reason why first of all we can get tired of things that actually initially excited us uh, as well as uh, don't take an interest so naturally, especially I think in the work environment f- for new stuff, is that the strongest survival strategy we have is to conserve energy. Hmm. That is always present. So there's always a tension between whether we should spend our mental energy 
on engaging in solving this like challenging, interesting problem because it actually requires some energy or if we should do nothing and basically save energy because saving energy has been completely decisive for us as a species for the past 200,000 years we have lived because most of those years we have lived in a in a time of scarcity of food, you know, scarcity of shelter and all these things. So always having a surplus of energy has been totally decisive. The problem is, of course, if you let this conserving instruction we have in us take over your life, which unfortunately, my sense is that most people I meet, they have sort of caved into that. And then you actually invite a negative spiral in your life because you accept boredom. You expect being involved in things that, that don't interest you, but you don't work with yourself to make them interesting or less boring. Hmm. And over time, I mean, the mind is also built to really acknowledge all the negative things in our lives for the simple reason that it's smart from a survival standpoint mm -hmm. because we should avoid anything negative. But course, negativity is a defense mechanism. Mm. But you know, if, if we have 10 tasks and we really dislike three of them, it's very easy for the mind to say, oh, my work is not too good. I, I don't enjoy this. Because it's focusing so. on those three risk yeah. factors yeah. to keep yeah. you safe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when I was, uh, after the book was finished and I was sort of working a little bit, okay, you know, how should I talk about it and how can I contextualize this and so forth? It, it came clear to me something I realized 25 years ago, but, you know, have a little bit not forgotten, but, you know, being so involved that I've been, I've lost sight of it. But I, I truly believe that with, when you engage in work, you can potentially only have two outcomes. Hmm. Either you become successful, healthy and, and pretty happy, or you actually can become sick from it. Hmm. It's almost like, you know, that type of, thing that animals in captivity experience, you know, psychosis, they call it. I call this workosis, <laughs> when you don't take charge of your life. Mm. Uh, because what happens, uh, you know, when we, what happens when you start to work, if you don't have this, like, I really want to enjoy what I'm doing and I'm going to push myself to enjoy it, is that you start to operate on habit. You basically mm. perform your task the same, same way. Like a robot. What happens then? Yeah. And what mm -hmm. happens then is that actually your effort goes down. So your work results actually gets worse, which means a lot of rework, which means a lot of stress, missed deadlines. And then also you become bored because now all of a sudden after you learn these things, they, aren't, they, they don't present any challenge for you. And then you start to procrastinate. So a lot of the perceived stress that people have and having feeling on pressure, I'm sorry to say, but most of it is actually self-inflicted. Wow. Okay has less to do with the environment. I'd never thought I mean, about it, that downward spiral before. Yeah. But, but what you've said makes perfect sense. Like the boredom, yeah. the boredom results from the lack of challenge. If I'm not mm -hmm. putting the effort in, of course the quality mm -hmm. is going to go down. It creates the stress mm -hmm. and then, wow. Mm -hmm. I'd never thought of it yeah. that way before. No, no. No, no. And, and um, I mean, th there, is, there is one bulletproof way to turn any boring, any uninteresting task into a really interesting problem. And that is to reduce the time it should take to perform it. Increase efficiency. I, I use it every day. So let's say I have a client I worked with for six months. Um, everything mm -hmm. is going well, but I just feel that I think I want to up my game. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I think you know I could I could give more value. Could be a client that facing a big change in the company that he or she is leading, and there's a lot of inertia and whatever it is, and and we have a session. I I use I usually think like okay now we're going to have an hour and a half. Given the agenda, and given what we need to achieve together, what if I only had 20 minutes? Hmm. What would I spend those 20 minutes on? And that just refines my thinking. It just becomes an interesting problem. We spend an hour and a half, but I become much more, much more efficient in those situations. Hmm. So time is a fantastic thing to use. The thing I love about that, Stefan, is it doesn't require anything extra. It doesn't require you to go and get another course or to do another program or to read a book Mm -hmm. or to download an app. It's, it's, It's simply, how can I do this in less time? And mm-hmm. immediately mm-hmm. it shifts the narrative and mm-hmm. disrupts that downward spiral that you, mm-hmm. you, you shared mm-hmm. with us before and therefore mm-hmm. holds someone out of this negative experience that they mm-hmm. would then complain about, then start making mm-hmm. stories about and hold themselves in another downward loop after mm-hmm. that. And, mm. and, and you said negativity. Mm. There's another thing that people should know. So negativity is linked to our survival. Okay. Mm-hmm. But negativity is also a pre-stage of fight or flight. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, that means in that pre-stage, your brain starts to work slower. Because in the pre-stage of fight or flight, the body gradually turns off the organs that is not completely relevant for a fight or flight situation. And higher thinking is too slow for that. Hmm. We just need to react. Okay. And it also turns off organs to save energy because you need extra energy in the fight or flight situation. Mm -hmm. It also erodes the chemicals, the stress chemicals released also erodes your immune system. So if you're constantly negative, you're much more prone to get sick. Because of the cortisol. Yeah, there's a lot at stake if you allow, you know, your brain to be more or less constantly in a negative mindset. And if I walk around, you know, in organizations I work with and just all hear people talk, uh, it's not positive things most of the time they say. It's like, how are you? Oh, I have too much to do. Oh, mm-hmm. that, and that was a stupid decision and that's for stupid and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that, there's another problem. And that is that the brain becomes good at how you, you know, what you let it work on. So if you allow it to think negative thoughts, it becomes an expert on that mm-hmm. because it strives for perfection. Mm. No, matter what the neg- is, how, no matter how negative the thing that it's striving perfection no, on. No, of course, <laughs> because it, it, it starts with perfection because that's energy saving for it. You know? mm. So not only the, 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 the initial reasons why you were negative, it will also start to identify other things as also reason to be negative. Because it's looking now for, you can, yeah. you're the perfect negative thinker. I told you we could yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's, it's interesting, you know, I asked my son, um, uh, he's, he, he was then 23, now he's turning 25, mm-hmm. uh, when I wrote the book. So I said, so I need to write something about myself. What do you think I should write? And he said, well, I think you have to be honest. Yeah, obviously, that's my plan. Mm-hmm. So what should I write? Well, uh, I think you should write that you're crazy. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, you're the only person in the universe you can't be bored. And that's true. Ever mm. since I've been a kid, I can't be bored. It, hmm. it, it's, uh, I, you know, I just hate it because when I'm bored, it's a terrible feeling. 
-hmm. And I know if I try to do something that bores me, my performance is so bad. Mm. And if my performance is bad, it's even more boring to do it. So I defy boredom completely. It's, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't have a place in my life. Okay. Hmm. I, I always say to myself that there's too many things to learn, do, see and be in the world to be bored. Mm. There's always something that you can... I'm not always in the mood to do it, <laughs> but, but there is always something. There always there is always something to do. Um, mm -hmm. I did want to come back to the the negative thinking because I think, especially in a world that has so much information, it's easy to grasp onto things to be negative about. Mm -hmm. um, for the person who's listening to this discussion that genuinely is committed to not being as, as, as much of a negative person. They, they hear mm -hmm. your admonition mm -hmm. that it's no good for the system and if we want to be healthier and live longer and have a, a, a better functioning internal and external mm -hmm. environment, mm -hmm. we need to cut the negative thinking. Mm -hmm. But what is a way that we can cut the negative thinking? Because it's really easy to get mm -hmm. stuck in the, mm -hmm. the, the rabbit hole of doom of, of negative thinking. What is a tip that you would give to anyone that is trapped in negative mm -hmm. thinking and does want to get out? Mm -hmm. So, uh, there's a few things you can do, I mean, depending on, you know, the context we're talking about. I mean, when it comes to uh, being exposed to sort of negative impressions like news or whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, it's always good to practice logical thinking. Mm. Basically saying, okay, what's the probability that what is written here is completely true? Mm. And or what is said is completely true, uh, and and you will probably figure out that mm, it's highly unlikely that it's that bad or whatever, mm -hmm. because the acceleration is all over. Because acceleration sells, mm -hmm. okay. It's simplification of a message is much more complex, okay. It's always a little bit twisted. Mm -hmm. I'm not complaining about media. I mean that's how media I think I worked for all times. But but it's like so you use logical thinking. In in if you if you're a person that really want to change and you want to sort of erase you know negative thinking uh, from yourself I, I recommend this to to most people is that okay I regularly have negative thoughts I tend to be oversensitive to how people treat me at work I tend to dislike decisions I'm not being part of or you know all these like common you know usual suspects mm -hmm. um, you, what you do is to um, uh, you create a cal calendar entry every day at a certain time. Let's say it's five o'clock when you leave the office or four o'clock, whenever it's convenient for you. It's a repeat mm -hmm. entry. And then you call it basically blame time or you call it negative time, think uh, negative thinking time or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Make mm -hmm. it a little bit fun. And then you basically say, okay, at that during that time, I will you know, basically think all the negative things I have. Mm -hmm. And most people, I would say 99 out of 100 that use this, they just, rea they just realize that mm, when I think about, when I sort of let myself think these things, first of all, I don't have so many negative things. <laughs> and, sec and secondly, uh, there's basically no good reason why mm. I have them. And should there be a reason, this time also helps you disassociate yourself through uh, and look at the reasons. And then you're much better positioned to, for instance, deal with the reason whether the person treated you you know not fair in a, in a situation you can say mm, now i thought through the problem 
I, I'm, I'm prepared to have a conversation with that person. That's one way to do it. Another way is a version of logical thinking, and that is, and, and this is this question is, I, I recommend this is probably a person's best friend. This question when you're facing any type of situation or problem, whatever it is, how big is the problem? Mm. So, for instance, let's say you and I work together. We worked together for two years, and uh, we had sixty work sessions together. But two of these work sessions, we had a meltdown. Okay, um, we didn't agree, and it became a little bit emotional, and all these things. And then someone asked me, "So, so how's your collaboration with them?" And and my brain, without analyzing the actual collaboration, would probably say, "Well." It's not the perfect collaboration, actually, you know. Uh, we have some issues. Now, if you ask yourself how big is the problem, you basically activate your detective mindset, which mm -hmm. is that what you should do, the, I should do them. I take the whiteboard, I create the timeline, I plot our interactions, and I mark all the ones that have been bad. And mm -hmm. then I realize, mm, of 60 interactions, two have been bad. Mm -hmm. mm, is that a bad collaboration or not? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it? You know, that gives you a distance to it. Because mm -hmm. there, is a, there is one of these, you know, we have all these um, cognitive biases. I don't know. It depends on who you listen to. Maybe we have 100 or 150 or we have 70. But there are a gazillion of them mm -hmm. in the brain that basically destroys our ability to process information in an objective way. Mm -hmm. And one of the most powerful, in my experience, is the peak end rule which means that we tend to evaluate an experience, whether it's a relationship or a experience here and now, based on the emotional high and how and it ended. Life. Yeah. So let's say you have a meeting with someone that's 60 minutes mm -hmm. and the emotional high is negative, but the rest of the meeting, and that lasts for five minutes or whatever, but the rest of the meeting is neutral to positive and it ends neutral, you will probably evaluate that, ah, that was not such a great meeting. Mm -hmm. But it actually was much more great than bad. Mm. So, you see, there, there is something around logical thinking that is so beautiful to clear your mind. But this is the brain, again, seeking to move into efficiency, right? Saving energy, mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. efficient. So mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. that the mind is trying to sabotage us. It's literally trying to set us up for the most success. But we need to bring a little, from what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. bring a little awareness and consciousness mm -hmm. to the deliberation on what those aspects of it are so that we can mm -hmm. not just be caught up in these cognitive mm -hmm. biases but actually have the mm -hmm. opportunity to pull more beauty from our experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I, you know the way i talk about it and and you know i have part of my of course i have rewired my brain you know given what i do and given what i've learned and all these things uh, uh, so so and, and that's the positive thing your brain becomes good at you know how you force it to work Mm -hmm. That's how it, that's the neuroplasticity. So that means that you you have basically unlimited potential. End of story. Forget mm -hmm. about anything else. Now, um, so so um, now I lost my thread here. Uh, what did you you say? Uh, something here. We're talking about bringing more awareness um, so that we can make the most out of the make the most out of uh, the beauty of what the brain's doing with this efficiency. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, and and yes. So. I think a useful, a useful view of the brain is that most of the thoughts you get are actually not generated by yourself. 
Mm. It's generated by the primitive parts of the brain. I mean, the fear center, the amygdala, is so powerful. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And also the, the primitive parts of the reward system that always pushes us to take the easy way out, not bite the bullet or whatever it is. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's almost like a constant chattering in, 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 in your head. So the way I, I tell clients, you know, when you get all these thoughts about doubt and should you really do this and maybe it, it's unnecessary, it's uncomfortable or whatever, it's not actually not you talking. It's the primitive part of the brain. I, whenever my brain starts like that, because it starts like that in certain situations, I can share some stories. Uh, I, always, I always view it as, okay, now it's time to watch television. Okay, because now I'm going to watch the primitive brain, you know, trying to, you know, manipulate me to not biting the bullet and taking on this challenge or whatever it is. Hmm. I like that you brought up about the primitive brain doesn't want to bite the bullet as well, because I think that's one of the things that we lose sight of too, that Mm. um, we take the chicken, you know, the chicken shit way out. Like, what's the easiest Mm -hmm. way? What's the the quickest payoff? The Mm-hmm. Um, the inability to 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 to, uh, to have deferred gratification. That's one of the things. My son's two, which mm-hmm. is so funny when you're talking about your son being 25. My son's two, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you know me and his mum we're not together anymore. But one of the things I really try to make sure she does that we mm-hmm. give them space to understand that there has to be a time gap sometimes between desiring something and experiencing it. So that at this mm-hmm. age, his brain can accept that rather than the mm-hmm. the very quick fix um, mm-hmm. way that society mm-hmm. gives us things nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then we don't have that ability to to be able to mm-hmm. bite the bullet, to put a bit mm-hmm. of work mm-hmm. in, to put some effort and to maintain mm-hmm. some kind of energy between the wanting of something and actually experiencing it. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah, delayed gratification. I think uh, you know it's called, and and I. I remember an old study uh, that I read many years ago that they had tracked kids. Um, they had done some tests mm-hmm. uh, with kids, small kids, you know, uh, they had a marshmallow and then they checked out the kids that actually waited mm-hmm. or they had the kid and then they followed them through life and the, and the kids that, that had a well-developed, you know, delayed gratification, they, they did much better. Mm. Uh, I think, but that's an old. St- I think that's more. I, I think I know the one you're talking stuff. about. I think I've yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen about yeah, that study before. Yeah, yeah. I've seen about that. Yeah, and and I and I think that, you know, we have we have two reward system. We have the primitive ones that is so important to master, mm-hmm. and then we have the weak one, which is, we actually uh, we we control that with our 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 thinking when mm. we make active choices. Obviously, the complication here is that the, the, the primitive reward system, it is super fast. And, you know, cognition is very slow. So, how, so the trick is, how do we slow our decision making for what path to, to choose down? So we give a chance for our, our higher thinking to be part of it. And I think when I read about this, and I think that's... I, I'm, I am myself sort of an evidence for that, is that if you live a really rich life and you have many different experiences in your life, you have at any given moment many more options for what to do. Okay. Mm. So you need to think about what is actually the best thing to do now. In all simplicity, if you work with um, you know, developing how you perform your tasks, like you should do, you should think about your task at work as... Rafael Nadal thinks about hitting a backhand in, in, in tennis, you know. There are uh, 
a gazillion different ways to perform a task. And you should do that. That also gives you different options for how to do it depending on the situation for performing the task, which mm. obviously will make you perform much better in that situation and feel mm. much more in control instead of just like doing it on habit. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And you said that you, your background was in neuroscience and that's what brought you in into... No, what, hap- what happened was is that uh, I, have a, I have a background being a professional musician. I play four instruments. I was an <laughs> art director, copywriter, a creative director for a fashion magazine, believe it or not. Wow. And then I ended up at McKinsey. Mm-hmm. And, and at McKinsey, um, uh, I worked on the issue uh, or problem. Why is it so hard to succeed with change? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I collected all the frameworks McKinsey had for driving change and, you know, competitors like BCG Bain or whatever, what academics wrote about it. Mm-hmm. And I think at that time, this is like mid-90s, late-90s, uh, there were like 9,000 ways of driving change. And still, mm-hmm. it didn't work. <laughs> uh, and then after some time, I just reflected upon, oh, it's very interesting. In none of these frameworks, there's anything explicit said that... Mm, this is how human beings function, and hence, this is the way we should drive change. So that was my hypothesis. Maybe oh. these frameworks are not based on, on some kind of robust yeah, science. And that's why I, I got then a budget from McKinsey to explore and travel around to meet leading neuroscientists, behavior scientists. That's when I went Shiksame High also. And I actually also ended up at the FBI's behavior science unit, now oh, called wow. BIU. Yeah. Because my hypothesis was that, you know, where life and death is, is at stake, they know a thing or two about human behavior. <laughs> they, just, they, they, they just blow my mind. You know, they, I, I, I never learned so much in my life as spending time with those profilers. It wow. was like extraordinary. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And, and that creates a tie to the beautiful name of your show. <laughs> Dream with Dan. Exactly, exactly. Um, because... Because, uh, and, and let me, sorry. Let no, me, please. Be, because uh, one of the things that is so important and that we completely discourage or just think is loony and crazy, whatever, is fantasies. Okay. It is extraordinarily important to allow yourself to fantasize about who you want to be what you want to do, where you want to go in life, it's extremely important because Hmm. what happens is that you activate the greatest simulator ever built, which is the human brain. The human brain cannot discern whether it's real or just a thought that you have. Hmm. So when you're in your fantasy, actually your brain releases similar feelings as if this would happen in reality. Hmm. Now, over time, the more you fantasize, that will not be enough. So you, you get an urge to actually act it out. Huh. And more importantly, when you fantasize, you don't just fantasize about the end state. You fantasize about the journey there. You know What mm. do you do? What happens? And all these things. So it's also sort of a planning and, proce- a planning and problem solving process. Okay? Mm. And you also in the fantasy you visit unknown things that you know that you probably need to visit. So you have some preparation for that. So strong fantasies, I would say, is the bridge that you need to have, for instance, when you learn a new skill. And it's very painful in the beginning because you're basically so bad at it 
And it's like terrible. That's what happened to me when I learned the piano when I was eight. But I've, I had this fantasy of being a piano virtuoso that was so strong. Mm-hmm. So I, it, I persisted for two years and it sounded like crap when I played, okay? Until <laughs> one day when it really was fantastic. And if, that, if I didn't have that fantasy that I cultivated, I would never have persisted. So reality followed the dream? Yeah. It is. Dream with your eyes open, and, guys. You heard it there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so what I tell my clients is that they are to dream crazy and fantasize crazy. You know, the, the only thing I can guarantee you is that you will end up in the crazy good places. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. Which is true. It's true. Let's talk a bit about the book, Stefan, mm-hmm. uh, and, and how that ties into some of the conversation that we've been having today. Tell us the title and... Quick snippet, headline. Mm -hmm. Well, it's called Intrinsic Motivation. Learn to love your work and succeed as never before. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the the, the purpose of the book is basically to give you uh, like a pretty exhaustive number of methods for you to more easily unlock your intrinsic motivation, whether it's in terms of dealing with all types of people, you know, getting buy-ins for your, for your ideas, whether it's solving any type of problem, or, or simply, you know, integrating how you develop yourself, you know, in your work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's and, and what I've learned over all these years, given that what I said that the basic instruction we have is to you know, conserve energy. Any change that you ask people to do has to be energy efficient up front. So mm-hmm. all the methods in the book are pretty easy to understand and also simple to use. And all of them are, pro- are proven over the years. So, so that's what the book is about. It's actually started as a handbook and then it became more of a, a, a real book. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it makes specific reference to 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 work in the title but it feels based on on our conversation today that you really cover you're more likely to cover a a breadth of different areas that we can apply work into like you said uh, it could be hobbies that we're working on it could be relationships Mm. that we're building it could be a career it could be a business am i right in making that assumption yeah i mean the the methods are like applicable to you know what whatever area Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever area um, that that you, that you operate in, uh, mm-hmm. basically, or what, what you want to pursue, and um, the promise I can uh, I can give, you know, it, if you're serious, you know, if you're serious with your life and you want to take charge of it and you want to go places, is that you will be able to uh, learn new skills, topics, whatever you want to do, you know, much faster than other people. Mm. Um, you, I mean, there's some some research that suggests that that this, um, you know, ten thousand hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell wrote about, which actually is seven thousand two hundred seventy five hours. <laughs> I, 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 I knew Kay Anders Eriksson, the guy that that sort of did all the research on expert performance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's some some research that indicates that you can actually cut it in half. Wow. And what's the logic for that? Well, the logic for that is a person that knows how to unlock your intrinsic motivation. Uh, don't hesitate about stuff that initially feels uncomfortable or irrelevant or whatever. It just goes all in, okay? Mm-hmm. And learns faster. That's it. So that's one thing I can promise. Uh, and the second thing I can promise is that you will be able to work effectively 
toward any type of goal or dream that you have. And the third thing is, if you don't have any goal or dreams or whatever it is, is that just derive a much higher level of satisfaction from whatever you want to do or need to do. That's, that's the promise. And, and that's sort of what I've seen over many years now with clients, basically. Amazing. Well, I, for one, am very excited to put it on my book list. Uh, look forward mm-hmm. to sharing uh, my results with the listeners at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, we'll, we'll make sure that we pop a link in the show notes. Uh, you're going to head over to learntoloveyourwork.com. Learntoloveyourwork.com. You can find out a lot more about what Stefan's into. Perhaps you're someone that might be served by uh, getting some coaching or jumping in and doing a bit of a deeper dive. But I want everyone that's listening to this to remember that He's actually kind of tied us in together. We're collabing here because Dream mm-hmm. With Your Eyes Open, uh, d- d- Dream and Get It Done, the vision, the vision, going crazy and fantasizing about it. I love the way, the fact you use fantasizing. And then applying mm-hmm. these principles and tools that I feel that Stefan's going to be uh, pouring into us with his book will definitely start to bring those pieces together and get you to that abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life that you deserve. Mm-hmm. Stefan, have you got any closing thoughts for the listeners today? Yeah, I, I have two things um, um, which I think is really good habits. You know, we talk about discipline, mm-hmm. okay? Um, mm-hmm. When you interact with people, um, the person you interact with should always have more energy after having interacted with you than the person mm-hmm. had before. That, I think that, that's such a magnificent, you know, uh, you know, habit to, to, to have. And then the second thing is um, whenever you feel really certain about something, a red alert should go off because now you risk actually only select all the things you see that, that confirms that you're right and not the things mm. that confirms that you're wrong. That's mm. a lifesaver. That's a lifesaver. Mm. Certainty doesn't exist. It only exists mm. in the mind because the mind needs to know. But that's a delusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Stefan, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great kicking it with you. It's actually 2.39 in the morning for me and I'm, oh I'm my God. thoroughly awake. Yeah, oh. I'm thoroughly oh. awake and, and I, I'm really excited by this conversation and I, I feel really, yeah. I, I really feel I'm taking away some really solid, actionable mm-hmm. items that are going to add to my life. So I'm grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, but what you told me about, you know, how you pursue chess, that's sort of best practice. That's how <laughs> you, Brilliant. You, you, I mean, you have a coach uh, uh, and, and then you, so you study the game, you're a student of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also think that uh, the more, I mean, the logic, I think if you go deep on that, you know, we don't tend to take interest in things that we don't know anything about but when mm-hmm. we know something about them they, they become interesting i think there's also a psychological thing in that because the more we learn of something about something it also becomes our property okay and mm. we tend to like our property okay mm. we tend to tend to cherish that so there's multiple sort of benefits of of course when you learn about it you're much better positioned to actually do something that is really exciting <laughs> that's mm-hmm. one thing but it's also something that's like this is my area you know? mm-hmm. it's it's super good amazing amazing mm-hmm. well guys learn to love your work.com did i still remember that learn mm-hmm. to love mm-hmm. um go and grab the book intrinsic motivation uh let us know what you think about it let stefan know what you think about it um who is someone that would listen to this episode and receive 
a gift, a nugget, uh, a, a pearl that's going to take them to the next level in their life or business, why don't you go ahead and share it with them now? It would mean the world to me if you rated and reviewed the podcast. That's how people are going to know about it. Until next time, keep dreaming with your eyes open, guys. Fantasize. Go hard. And um, remember that you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Do It With Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.